Welcome to the Token Talk EDU podcast, where I, Saskia Dure, will provide insight and tips on how you can control your life despite your vice. Also, I will introduce you to other women that have done the same and taken control of their life despite consuming cannabis, despite drinking, despite shopping, despite any vice they may have. And you can do it too. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. Today, I'm super excited to have one of the youngest, sorry, not one of, the youngest black woman dispensary owner in the U.S. with me on this interview. She's amazing. She's going to tell you her story. She's going to give you more of a background, how she uses cannabis to help her with her mental mental health battles has the entrepreneur and outside the entrepreneur realm and other vices that she has to help her kind of get her life on track. Speaking of that, I want you to stay to the end and listen for an amazing event that I'm hosting as well as other offers that I have right now to help you rein in that are completely and absolutely free. I'll see you at the end. Having me. Thank you for agreeing. Like, I have been following you for a while. Yeah, I was so excited that you like were down to do it. I was like, yes, I'm so glad that she's down to do this. So thank you so much as well for being here. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so we can go ahead and jump in. Okay. So the first question I got pretty much have set up right now is for you to just introduce yourself, what you do, where you're from, and anything else you want to give in your introduction about yourself or let us know about yourself. Okay, so... Hello, everybody. My name is Hope Wiseman. I am one of the youngest African-American entrepreneurs uh, in the legal cannabis space in the United States. And right now I operate a medical cannabis dispensary in Maryland um, called Mary and Maine. So we have been operational for about two years now, going on two years and we are finally looking at ways to expand in the industry. So I'm really excited to be here and to, to hopefully help a few people get on the right track in their journey in this industry. Okay, awesome. So with that being said, so you've given us like your professional relationship with cannabis. So what is kind of your personal relationship and how do you consume cannabis uh, regularly? Yeah, so before I was involved in cannabis from a business perspective, uh, I had already had a relationship with cannabis. I um, was always, you know, now I realize always a medicinal user, but I didn't necessarily consider it that. I, I saw myself as more of a social user. So when other people were smoking, I would join. Um, but, you know, now, and, and as I grew more mature, um, I, I really understand the medicinal uses of cannabis and I use cannabis um, to treat uh, anxiety as well as more um, targeted and, and less um, chronic issues like pain, if I get a headache or a toothache or something of those sorts, cramps, things like that. I use different methods of cannabis, whether it be a tincture, tablets, edibles, or just flour um, and, and smoking it. I mean, I, I, I do all of those things. Okay, so do you have a preferred method or you just like you do whatever you like feel comfortable with at the time? 
Yeah, and it depends on what um, what I'm trying to achieve. If it's more of a social thing, that's probably me smoking. Um, even though you know that the real social aspect of that uh, is not happening right now due to COVID nineteen. So. Um, you know, I can't wait for that to come back because that communal part of cannabis is definitely like something I've enjoyed and it's probably what first um, kept me interested in the industry. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if I have a preferred method. It's more of like why whatever I'm needing cannabis for at the moment. Like if it's, um, I take a CBD tincture every day um, and I use that more like a vitamin. Um, and then I would, if I'm having extreme pain for whatever reason, if I would take a, an extra strength Tylenol, I have like 20 and 25 milligram um, tablets, THC and CBD, um, a two to one THC tablet that I would take in that case instead of taking Tylenol. So it just kind of depends on what it is. And, but like I said, if I'm just trying to relax at the end of the day, I might um, just smoke or hit a bowl, hit my bowl, or even have some tea with cannabis in it. So, and I know I didn't include this in the questions, but I wanted to just ask real quick if you could give us like a quick overview about the laws in Maryland, like where you are about yeah. cannabis. So in Maryland right now, cannabis is medical only and it's decriminalized. So that means that if you are caught with, I believe in Maryland right now, it's actually only 10 grams. If you are caught with less than 10 grams of cannabis, whether that be you know, in your possession or you were using it or what, less than 10 grams is just a, uh, a ticket and potentially a fine, but no jail time, it's not criminalized anymore. Over that, it can still be criminalized. So that oh. is in Maryland. Is it difficult to get um, like a medical card there or is no, it? It is not difficult to get a medical card here. So it is medical only. So you can't just walk in. You do have to have your medical card, but there are about 100,000, almost 100,000 patients already registered in the state. And our uh, approved list of conditions and ailments um, is, is very comprehensive. It's long and it also includes a catch-all that pretty much says that any condition that your doctor feels as though medical cannabis could be helpful towards. So that's very subjective um, and it has allowed for a lot of patients to have access into the program here in the state. Okay, that's awesome. That's good to know. So the next question, like you kind of talked about it a little bit, how do you incorporate cannabis in your med your mental health uh, routine? Like, do you have a mental uh, routine on like when you smoke uh, to avoid like overindulging in cannabis? Because I think I was um, I think I heard you when you were talking on the 420 experience um, event that you did, like about like acknowledging that dependency does exist in cannabis use and. So how do you prevent that and like with the access that you have to it running a dispensary? Yeah. So for me, um, I definitely incorporate it into my mental health routines. When I, um, I oftentimes use cannabis before I meditate um, to help me just kind of relax my mind and be able to concentrate um, and, and control my thoughts better. Um, but that's, that works for me because my brain is like hyperactive. I'm thinking of a billion things at once. 
there are other people where, you know, that might not work for them in that case. So you really have to know yourself and how cannabis interacts in your body and how it works for you. Um, but that I definitely incorporate it. And I think it is important to acknowledge that cannabis dependency does exist. Um, and it's a thing and it can be negative in your, in your life, whether that be from a financial aspect or it be from a, you know, productivity standpoint or whatever it might be, it could be. So you have to really evaluate those things. And for me, I think I have a pretty healthy balance. Um, I'm very, I'm very functional on cannabis. I don't have any issues slowing down and I know the types of strains that do slow me down. And if I am going to use that, it would only be in the evening. So, you know, I think you just have to learn yourself and how cannabis interacts in your body and then know your limits from there. That's true. That's very true. So how is it being an entrepreneur of color? How, how has that impacted your mental health, especially in the cannabis industry? Because you're like, we are, we make up a very, very small group of the industry. So I know it can be difficult, like with funding, finding funding, and then like getting your dreams off the ground. Yeah, all of that is very true. And being an, an African-American entrepreneur in this industry is no different. Um, than almost in any other industry of this caliber. So, you know, for me, I, I wasn't, I'm not surprised. And I am used to working hard to prove myself and, and to having to do a lot to get in the same rooms as other people. So, I mean, you know, for me, I look at it like, instead of complaining, I'm going to just do, be my very best version of myself because that version, it works, you know, that version definitely gets in the door and I'm constantly making myself better and learning and teaching and gaining more relationships. And I feel like, you know, it can be done. You just have to find people that support you and then from there leverage those relationships. And I'm at that point now where in my career, it's been long enough where I've been able to build those types of relationships and they can really come through and the favors that I'm able to pull together. Um, I mean, and honestly, I don't go to people with a favor. I don't ask for a favor. I always go with value. So it's always a win-win for everyone. Um, but, you know, it's gotten to the point where I do have people I can call and I do have value I can offer back to them. So it's much easier for me to do things like raise money. Um, it is not easy. I'm saying it's easier. Uh, than it used to be when I was less established. Okay, uh, that's understandable. Do mm -hmm. you think that you like have any more pressure that you place on yourself to like meet those expectations? Like, do you feel that like saying that you have to work, like show up a little, do you like, I guess show up a little bit harder in spaces and does yeah. cannabis help like with um, you kind of feeling more comfortable in spaces sometimes since you said you do have, uh, anxiety or suffer from anxiety. Yeah, um, definitely. It definitely puts pressure on me. Also, I think something that puts a lot of pressure on me is the fact that I, um, you know, I'm kind of in the public spotlight. There's a lot of eyes on me. So that puts pressure on me. I feel like I have to perform a certain way and be a certain type of way. Um, and that becomes, that, that definitely becomes difficult sometimes. And yeah, I've definitely used cannabis to um help with those that that feeling i like cbd tinctures for that and when i say cbd I'm, I'm pretty much most of the time almost all the time talking about 
um, CBD rich tinctures that have more than 0.3% THD in them. Um, but not, I mean, they, I mean, when I say it's CBD, it means that it, it definitely is more CBD than THC. So very little to no euphoric effect, but at the same time, you're still getting the medicinal components and it's being activated by THC. So you might have like one to 5% of THC, which is not legal to be sold outside of a dispensary. Yeah, I have a CBD tincture um, that has like about 5% THC that I like to use when I'm feeling anxious. That sounds nice. I I think I need to get more into CBD because I haven't really tried it because I do, um, I have PCOS, which causes mm-hmm. like really bad cramping. Um, yeah. And I'm always like, I smoke and I'm like, that feels good. But I'm like, I think that CBD might make it like even better. So I really want to try to get into that. I'm, I currently live in Spain. Uh-huh. And like, I have access to cannabis because they have clubs here. They have like a social club system where you like pay for a membership and mm-hmm. it, you can go into the club and pay a donation and buy, per, like and barter it for weed. So okay. like give you that option and the Barcelona is really big for it and like here has like a couple of clubs so I have access to it but I haven't really like tried it because I'm always like "Mm, I just want to get high so I think I want to try to start going more into CBD and also like getting away from smoking as much as well too because like yeah it's better like as you get older you stop wanting to do certain things you know and you just you really still want the medicinal benefits because you realize you were getting some, you know? So it's like, okay, I don't want to smoke all day, but I do want to still like feel less anxious and calm. And I don't want my my cramps to be killing me all day. And like, I still want those benefits that I was getting off of smoking, but I don't want to be like super high all the time. Yeah. I don't want to be toppled over in pain, but like, I don't want to have to be like high where I'm like tired and can't really like get motivated to do like stuff. Right. So, yeah. I, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling. So yeah, I completely agree. So what are some things you do outside of cannabis to support your mental health like do you do therapy do you journaling do you do journaling because I know you said meditation earlier you do meditate yeah so I meditate I journal I've worked with um, a life coach for a year um, in the past and I also you know I work out uh, I box I mean I, I take a lot of time for myself I don't play with my hope time because I, I really pour myself into my work. So I have to take some time for myself. And I mean, I really love, um, you know, I just started boxing a few months ago. And I mean, that's been like my new release. I, I really, really love it. I'm pretty bad though. I mean, I still suck, but it feels great. My dad would love you because my dad loves boxing. Like he's like an old boxing head. Like he mm-hmm. likes like eighties boxing and like seventies and sixties because yeah, that's his thing. He watches it on YouTube now, and he's like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. Like, he's like, I feel like I'm in, this, I'm in the audience now. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's good. I've been trying to – I haven't been able to leave here. Tomorrow will actually be the first day that we're allowed to go out for an hour to do exercise here. Wow. So, so you're not even allowed to go outside there. We can go to the grocery store, and you can go to the pharmacy. That's it. 
Um, other than that, you were supposed to stay in the house. So last Sunday, they allowed children to go out for an hour. And this week, they just released like the slow plan to get us back to like normalcy. So like for a few weeks, what's going to be is like from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning and 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, adults without children can go out and do like physical activity. And then from 10 to 12 and from 7 to 8, um, elderly people can go out. And then from 12 to 7, children can go out. So, yeah. So it's, it was, yeah, it's been interesting. It went like really fast one way and then it's been like this constant for the last eight weeks. And then now like we're slowly going back to normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, you know, there are some states trying to, to roll out plans now, but it's not looking too positive over here right now. All right. How is that? How are you feeling with that? Like running your business? Has it impacted like your mindset towards your business or anything? With So, like you know, for, for the cannabis industry, we've been deemed essential and that's been proven through our sales as well. I mean, people are definitely still using cannabis at high rates. So it's been good for our business and we definitely had to shift our business models for sure to ensure the safety of, of the staff and the patients. So we definitely have had to shift the business models a little bit and we're considering, you know, now that we're getting used to these curbside orders and uh, getting our patients used to ordering ahead and things like that, you know, we want to continue those trends even after um, all of this is over yeah okay that's true because it's like yeah i think it, i think everything's going to be very different about how like we socialize um going yeah. forward and how we interact in public places and how public places um yeah it's going to be very interesting very and what is one piece of advice you would give a woman of color looking to enter the cannabis industry when it comes to protecting and increasing mental healthiness my my main piece of advice is it's really important to, I know you hear people talk about balance, balance, balance. And I think that to an extent, like that's not necessary. It's okay to throw yourself into work for a few years, especially if you're young um, and you don't have kids or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, that might be the time to throw yourself into work, but you really have to be clear and intentional about the things that you want to do. So if you're going to throw yourself into work, just don't do that blindly and not have a plan, like have a strategy and a plan so that when you do that for, you know, two to three years, that there is going to be an outcome. There's a purpose behind all of that hard work. Um, and, and make sure, you know, I, I always tell people too to look outside of the box and explore different ways to, to get to your end results. There's, there's so many different journeys you can take. Um, and explore all those different journeys that you could possibly take and see what's the best fit is for you. And, and even um, if you find someone that did something you want to do and you want to follow them, their exact pathway might not be for you. So, you know, take it as, as a guideline, but tweak it to, to fit what you have and the resources you have available. Um, and then my last piece of advice too would be no one is going to handhold this for you. Nobody cares as much as you do about yourself. Um, no one. So I don't care who you think you have on your side. Nobody cares as much as you do. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the effort. Um, and you have to make it happen for yourself. 
Agreed. I agree. I think I'm learning that now. I I think I moved out of my dad's house and moved to Spain, and I've had like so much growth in the last two years. It's been ridiculous. I've literally been just like thrown out there, and I've had to learn to adapt like very quickly. And it's like nobody is here to like hand feed you anything. Like you have to move on your own. Like you literally have to figure it out on your own. So and it's it's making you, I'm sure, ten times more efficient and better person yes definitely I've done a lot like especially introspection like I've done a lot of introspective work like a lot of introspective work with that because like I need to build my emotional resilience if I'm gonna make it like if I'm letting everything get to me like this or like feeling that I need someone to hold my hand or like validate my me through everything that I experience like negative emotion I experience or even positive I am going to have a hard time. Like, it's going to be really, really hard, like, getting anywhere. Because people, like, I think I do, especially with my sister, people have their own lives. Like, my sister just had twins, and now she has five kids. And, like, she's, like, we, we would talk all the time, and I'm, like, I have to realize she has five kids, and she has to raise them. She does not have time to be available for me always. And, like, we still talk, but I have to respect that. Yeah. And, like just because I don't have kids and I may have more time after respect that she may not have that and that I need to like learn how to like hold myself up because she's not gonna like she can't be available and I can't expect that expect that of her because she has children to raise so yeah so the last question I had was would you like to what would you like to see the cannabis industry look like for black consumers and entrepreneurs in the next decade or the next 10 years I would love to see uh, Black entrepreneurs have the opportunity to get into the industry um, to, to be able to really thrive and, and have access to capital and access to the resources they need, as well as making sure that the licenses are um, truly equitable in the sense that they, the requirements are just not outrageous. So I think that there's a lot of work to be done at the legislative level to make sure that happens. And then on top of that, this is a little different from what you said. It's not necessarily black entrepreneurs, but I would love to see um, the industry directly benefiting the communities and the individuals who've been impacted by the war on drugs. Not everybody who, uh, you know, not every black person needs or deserves to run a cannabis company. Not every person who was incarcerated because of cannabis needs or wants to run a cannabis company. Some of these people just simply want simple things like their record expunged and uh, the opportunity to qualify for public housing and to vote and to, um, you know, and to get the time back that they lost that we can't give them. And the things that happened to their families when their kids uh, couldn't eat because the dad wasn't in the household. And those are the things that need to be fixed. So I want to see somehow some sort of I guess somewhat of like reparations to those people who were directly impacted and those communities who've been completely disenfranchised because of the war on drugs. And I would like to see us figure out how to actually do that. I don't know if we figured out how to actually do it. I feel like there's too much emphasis on making sure that black people get licenses. And I'm like, that's good and important, but really that's a whole function that we gotta go back to, to systematic racism to, to really fight that. Because that's what that's really about. Black people don't have the resources to do this, not because they're intentionally shutting us out. We've been intentional. We've been shut out of everything. 
because we're hundred a hundred years behind everyone else. So, you know that that's what that's about. Um, and I, I just would love to see some emphasis put on just directly helping those communities and individuals who've been impacted. Yeah, I think I yeah I would like to see us be able to like not be in survival mode and just be able to like enjoy and like live in like the experience and having like cannabis or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think like constantly like trying to like especially in fine spaces in like white places instead of like because we we think that we can't make our own we have to like have uh backing like of like the validation of white people or to make what we have uh or what we're putting out important or make make us feel that what we have or we're putting out there is important so yeah i agree i think it's just yeah, focusing not necessarily on that, but also just the equity part and making sure like this money is going back to us. Um, right. People that may not want to enter or yeah, whatever. So yes, okay. So finally, that was all that I had has questions for you. So I just wanted to close off with you, like letting people know how to find you, follow you or any information like to contact you or whatever. Yeah, um, social media wise. Um, so for us to close off, definitely. So you can find me, and I'm I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me at um, my Instagram is I am Hope So Dope, all one word. Um, and then from there, you know, I post a lot of my. Uh, the link in my bio has like all my important stuff that I have going on right now. So you can check that out. Um, and then if you're interested, if you're in Maryland or you're interested in the Marion Main brand, we're about to launch a YouTube channel in the next month with just a lot of educational content. So definitely still check us out. You can check us out uh, at marionmain.com or on Instagram or Twitter at Marion Main. And that is spelled all the way out. M-A-R-Y-A-N-D-M-A-I-N. Thank you so much again for joining me today and giving me this interview and this time to interview you and talk to you. I appreciate your openness and everything. So um, thank you for having me so much all the way from Spain. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Hey, so thank you for staying through the whole episode and listening to me and Hope have this amazing conversation where she was very candid about her experience as an entrepreneur and a black woman in the cannabis industry and how she manages her mental health in these predominantly white and non-black spaces. I want to offer you guys three opportunities to get with me and work with me. The first opportunity is a donation-based event that I'm operating on June the 14th. It's a dialogue amongst millennial, black, and non-black women about how to show up and create a true intersectionality amongst us in feminism, where we understand each other's plight, where we see that black women not only face the plight of sexism, but face the plight of racism and how they are gonna navigate to their success and to get past that mentally and change their mindset and shift their mindset. It's also helping white women shift their mindset because it's not a one-sided battle. Why women to shift their mindset where they can offer space and be open to offering space to discuss and to be open 
to helping black women in their battle against race and sexism against white women and not I mean white men and non-black men and also black men as well in some occasions that's the first event the second opportunity that I have is for you to work with me one-on-one by booking a 20-minute session I'll link all of this below you can book a 20-minute session one-on-one with me and we can work privately on setting the outline for getting your life on track and seeing what outline you want to set up for your life then you can go from there and book the paid session the next option you have number three is that you can join me on my IG live on Sunday not my IG sorry Tokativity IG live on Sunday and at 420 Pacific Standard Time or 720 Eastern Standard Time or 120 Central European Time to discuss intersectionality. It's called Saskia's Intersectional Sunday Sessions. And that's SIS, an acronym for SIS. So I want you guys to join me for that. The other option that you guys have available to help and work with me is by booking an actual session and working with me directly and we can work one-on-one, following me on IG, listening to the podcast. There's numbers of ways, but these are just a few of the free ways that I have to offer you to work with me one-on-one. So please be feel free to join me, um, listen to the podcast. I offer a lot of information. Go to the website, check it out, join the mailing list, stay connected, stay listening out for any events that I'm running in the future, and I'll make sure to let you guys know in advance. This was a little bit short notice, but I'll let you guys know more in advance in the future other events that I'm curating in intersectionality because it's something that I really want to get us talking about and get some type of resolve. So thank you guys for listening. I will see you next week.